0: Hello there, Mario here, continuing our adventure to discover the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Last episode was epic. I hope you had a chance to listen. If this is your first time listening, I suggest you go back and binge listen all six episodes from the beginning to get caught up. We've seen some amazing things throughout this journey. None more amazing than... God delivering on his 25-year promise to Abraham to give him a son, Isaac. We've come to know the God of Abraham, a faithful, caring, purposeful God that will not relent on his word. So now, are you ready to start the transition from the God of Abraham to the God of Isaac? Let's do it. We left off on Genesis chapter 21, where the Lord visited Sarah, as he has said, he did to her as he had promised. Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age. Abraham was a hundred years old when it happened, and Abraham called the name of his son Isaac. Both Sarah and Abraham stand in awe of what God has done. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is awesome. He gave them a child in his old age, demonstrating his omnipotence and his sovereignty, his limitless power and control over all things. Now starting in verse 8 of chapter 21, we hear of a troubling story where on the day that Isaac was weaned, that's when a child starts eating solid food and detaches from the mother's milk. Abraham threw a feast and Sarah heard Ishmael laughing. Ishmael was the son of Abraham and Hagar, as you remember, the slave woman who had bore a child to Abraham. We read that story back in episode 3 when we looked at chapter 16. That was Abraham and Sarah's scheme to help God fulfill his promise. And to this day, that sin continues to plague them. Now Sarah's resentment towards Hagar and Ishmael spurs up again at this party, so she tells Abraham to get rid of Hagar and Ishmael. Abraham does not like this idea and was greatly distressed, but he hears from God once again. God tells him, starting in verse 12, Be not displeased because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you, For through Isaac shall your offspring be named. And I will make a nation of the son of the slave woman also, because he is your offspring. Note that phrase, because he is your offspring. Again, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is faithful. He has promised to multiply Abraham's offspring. And even though Abraham sinned in bringing Ishmael into the world, God will not relent on his promise. Ishmael is not the son of the promise, but God will still multiply his offspring because of his word, his promise to Abraham. Scripture tells us Abraham obeys the Lord and rises up early, gives bread and water to Hagar, and sends her and Ishmael out of their camp into the wilderness of Beersheba. This could not have been easy for Abraham. Just imagine sending your son away like that. I still remember the day we sent my brother away to serve in the military. It was an early morning too, while it was still dark. And it was tough on me as his brother, let alone my mother and father. But to consider how Hagar must have felt just breaks your heart. It's unimaginable. Now, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the God of Hagar too. She knows him, knows him intimately. Remember, she tried to run away from Sarah once before. Remember that story? In that episode, Hagar met with El Roy. Remember what that name meant? It was the God who sees me. This is kind of the point of this whole exercise. As you face the struggles of life, you must draw on your own knowledge of and experience with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to face your own trials. When you feel alone, betrayed, forgotten, hurt, remember El Roy. Remember what he has done in the past. Remember his love and faithfulness. When you've messed up, remember how God brought about Abraham's blessings in spite of his failures and shortcomings. This God is real. He is at work in our world today. He is working in your life. Let us act accordingly. Let us trust him fully. The wilderness was not kind to Hagar. She comes to a point where the supplies she had were gone, and she thought both she and the child would die. So she puts him under one of the bushes and goes and sits away from him so as not to hear him die. Again, when we read something like this, it's just a few lines here in chapter 22, but we must pause and consider the agony the desperation of the moment. Put yourself in Hagar's position. Perhaps you're going through that kind of pain and desperation today. I hope you feel God's peace and comfort even as you listen to this. Consider that these examples in scriptures have been kept throughout the generations for your benefit and to the glory of God, of course, so take your time to think about what you are reading in Scripture before moving on to the next thing. Because here God intervenes in this situation once again. He's El Roy, He sees Hagar, and He cares. But oftentimes it is when we are at the point of despair that we are ready to receive God's help. Therefore consider that and remember it for your own trials. Don't ask me why that is. God could have intervened with Hagar before this point. Perhaps our self-reliance must be completely destroyed. We're very proud as human. But whatever the case, we must learn by the grace of God that He does not forget. He is aware of our circumstances and will come to our aid. Do not cast away your faith as you become weary in your journey. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is for you. If you have put your trust in Him, never doubt Him. Can I take a parenthesis here to say that this is the key to contentment. This has been the theme of what the Lord has been teaching me in this season of my life. The key to inner peace. To true freedom. The key is to keep our minds on Christ. To act in every way in His confidence. If he is in control, why should I grumble about anything? He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But back to our story, God steps in. Starting in verse 17, we read, God heard the voice of the boy, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is, up, Lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make him a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. What a miraculous, merciful turn of events. They are both saved. And the story tells us God was with Ishmael, that he grew up in the wilderness of Paran, where he became an expert with the bow. This is interesting because the wilderness of Paran is part of the wilderness where the Israelites will wander for 40 years after their exodus from Egypt. Yet another connection because we read here that Hagar found an Egyptian woman for her son Ishmael to take as wife. At the end of chapter 21, we have the account of a treaty between Abimelech and Abraham to establish a friendship and settle the matter of a well. What I'd like to point out is that this is brought about right there on verse 22 because Abraham's fame as one who has favor with God is being recognized by those around him. God is with you in all that you do, Abimelech and his commander tell him. Therefore, X, Y, and Z. May we also enjoy such reputation among those around us. May we be known as those who have been with God and walk in His presence. So we come to chapter 22 then, a very important chapter and one that is well known. The first verse is life-changing. It says, after these things, God tested Abraham. Can you settle that in your mind? Yes, God will test you. He will test me. Looking back at your life, can you identify God's tests for you at different points? Not every difficulty we face is a test from God. So we need spiritual discernment for this. We need spiritual eyes to see and understand what we are going through. But he does test us. Here's how Abraham's test went. And again, note the kind of test he gets. This is not what you expect. And in our lives, we must learn that God will do the unexpected. Do not reduce God to what you think he ought to behave like, based on your personal experiences. When we do that, we are really trying to take on his role as God. We try to make him in our image, instead of what is reality, right? That he made us in his image. So God says to Abraham, Abraham Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. And we have to pause here again. This cannot be. Put yourself in Abraham's shoes. He's waited for this kid his whole life. He waited on God's specific promise of a son for 25 long years. He finally gets the son. He's rejoicing. He will finally get to relax and enjoy him, right? (laughs) Guide him in all the ways of the Lord. And no, now God asks him to give him up. His only son, the son of the promise. This is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Chances are he will ask you to give up some things that you hold very dear to you. Perhaps it's not as dramatic. In my life, he's asked me to live my homeland, to give up my career, to give up some dreams. These are difficult things at the moment. But what awaits on the other side of obedience is the rest, the peace, and the fulfillment you seek God is worth it. He is worthy of these small sacrifices and more. That is why Abraham obeys. The very next verse says, He rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and rose and went to the place of which God had told him. He walks for three days, and then he sees the mountain God told him about. He tells his men to wait there, and he and Isaac will go and worship and come back. That little nugget on verse 5 is worth pointing out. He believed he was returning back with Isaac. How can that be? Well, Hebrews 11.19 tells us why. It says, Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. That is the type of faith he had in Almighty God. And his faith was not in vain. He was right. It was indeed reasonable to think. He did, in fact, return with Isaac, as we will see. As Abraham went along with Isaac, the boy asks the father that I see that the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? That's verse 8. And Abraham responds in faith again and says, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Just think about the type of faith this man has. When he knows the instructions he has received from God, but he knows the promise also that God has given him. And he was right. His faith was rightly placed. This is why he could act so confidently. You and I can act in the same way today. If we put our trust in Jesus Christ, we can be confident of our future. When they get there, Abraham built the altar, put the wood, bound his son, and laid him on the wood. Many clues in the passage suggest that Isaac was a young man already when this happened, not a small child. The next chapter, for example, starts with the death of Sarah at 127 years old. So it almost looks like Isaac must have also had the faith to go along with his father's plan to willingly allow himself to be bound up, which is worth thinking about. But whatever the case, he is bound up and on top of the wood on the altar, and verse 10 comes in. Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. Pause the movie again. Ponder this scene. This is amazing faith in God. We must pray that God will help us to believe in Him in this way. But as Abraham is set to kill the son of the promise, the plan is revealed. The angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, verse 11, and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Test pass. God then provides a ram that was caught by the thorns in a thicket so that Abraham can use it for the sacrifice to the Lord. Abraham called the place, The Lord Will Provide. This is that name from God that many of you may have heard, Jehovah Jireh. That's what it means, the Lord will provide. Remember the song, Jehovah Jireh, my provider, his grace is sufficient for me. This is where it comes from. I love it. The angel of the Lord then reaffirms God's promise to Abraham. Because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore and your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. But we cannot ignore the obvious parallel here between the substitution of the ram for Isaac and the most holy substitution of Christ on the cross for us. There on the cross, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob provided His only begotten Son to die in your place for your sins, for my sins, our sins, condemn us to death. Those are the wages of sin, according to Romans 6.23. But Christ paid the price for our sins and instead gave us His righteousness that we may be saved. All we have to do is put our trust in Him. Would you, if you haven't yet, put your trust in Him? I pray this is the day of salvation for you. Until next time. I will put my trust in God who alone knows my makeup The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob